Today we're going to continue in our series on genuine faith. It's hard for me to express the importance of this series because it's so important that you walk by the faith of God in your life. So important. In these upcoming, in your future, we know from the Word of God that there will be storms. There will be wind, right? There's going to be things happen in your life and none of them are designed or none of them are supposed to even impact you in any way. You know, because as we walk in the faith of God, see, God has already provided everything. So much of religion, you know, it's funny, the word, you know what the word religion means? It literally means to bind. Do you know that? But I mean, doesn't it bind you to try to think that, you know, God's always about ready to smack me and I just, and, and he's kind of pulling strings up there where he'll bless one for a season, but he's going to allow this to happen in this person's life. And he's going to put this on a person to teach them something. And he's always going to test you, you know, to see if you really love him and will serve him. As if the all-knowing God needs to test you to know that, right? No, see, God, now the Word will test you, right? The Word will always test you. But it's not so that God knows where you are. It's, it's to help you know where you are. Amen? So it, it, when, when, the Lord, when the Word of God tests you, it's always for the purpose of bringing you into an obedient place where you can receive the blessings of God. Well, we know this as an aerial view of the Word of God. We receive through faith what He has provided for us by His grace. God's will for your life is never sickness and disease and pain. It's never poverty and lack. It's never stress, stress, toil, depression, anxiety, terror. It's never fear. It never is. It's that you experience him every moment of every day of your life that you get to know him. And as you hear his words, faith is birthed, real faith. Not so much of the fake faith, the mental ascent where you learn a couple scriptures and you could quote them because you've heard them enough and you think you're in faith. No, no, faith comes, genuine faith comes by hearing the word of God in your heart. So we're going to continue on today. You know, we have many examples in our church of people laying hold of the promises of God through faith. And, and here's the thing. We receive the promises of God through faith and patience. And how many times, I mean, you know, when you're believing God, we're not talking about you enter this state of euphoria where all of a sudden you quote a scripture and everything just disappears, right? Everything bad. No, 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 listen, the enemy, he will want, he will literally stand because he operates illegally. He has no legal right to come at you. He operates illegally and his time is short. His earth lease is running out and he knows it. And he'll steal and kill and destroy. What he wants to do with your life, he wants to separate you from faith. Because you're really a non-issue to him. If he separates you from faith, you can't receive anything, so you will be this person that says, oh, Jesus is good, but your life will preach that he's not. And he loves that stuff. So I'm here to tell you today, God has victory for you in everything in your life. And I believe that as we embrace the Word of God, the Holy Spirit's going to help us walk in the faith of God and lay hold of the blessings of God and let our life be light to those in the world. Your brothers and sisters in Christ need to know that the Word of God works. Is God sovereign? He absolutely is sovereign. And here is rule number one of sovereignty on the earth. You ready for it? You've heard me say it before. Man's will trumps God's will. 
do you think it's God's will that any babies be aborted today? That anybody gets raped or murdered? Absolutely not. The will of God clearly laid out in Scripture is that God is the God who would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But you know, since we've been in church this morning, do you realize people have literally left this planet and went into the planet, lost forever? They went to hell because they didn't receive the sacrifice of Jesus. So it couldn't be that just because it's God's will, it will automatically happen. Now there is sovereign things that are going to happen, right? There will be a seven-year tribulation period on the earth. There will be a man of perdition, the Antichrist, come about, and he'll, he'll have a seven-year, his leadership, it, it's kind of a mess if you read the book of Revelation. He never really gets anything off the ground. But then at the end of it, there will be a second coming. Amen. Nothing stopping that. But I'm telling you, for your life right now, sickness and disease has no legal right in your life. Do you realize as you possess salvation, do you realize protection is legally yours? Amen. If you have children, that part of salvation is freedom. It, that word means freedom from apprehension. That means your children are safe. Now you've got to believe that, right? Do you realize there's angels about you encamped around about those that reverence and honor and respect the Lord and they're there to protect you and deliver you in every situation? We're never to live under, we're only to live over. So that's why we teach on faith. You know, I've been in this thing for a long time, but so much of what we're calling faith is not faith. You can't, you know, as we've seen before, you've got to rightly divide the word and walk by the faith of God. So let's start out today knowing this. God is for you today. Wherever you are at, if you're hitting on all cylinders and, man, you're in the word and it's first place and you're walking in the love of God, you're literally walking in the strength of God, you're, you know, God is first place in every arena of your life, you're honoring him, man, he's pleased with you. And he loves you. If you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I've been blowing it. I've got great news for you. He still loves you just as much as the one who's doing everything right. <clears throat> now, is he pleased with you? No. You know the predominant reason why he's not pleased with you? Is because he loves you so much and you're walking in death and he doesn't want you to. And around you, you can't see it, but there's all this stuff that is life that he has for you. And he, but he can't get much over to you, so that's why he's not pleased. But the minute you decide to start embracing something, oh man, he gets all excited. And notice when he comes into your life, he never beats you up for the mess you made. Because right. he doesn't care about the mess. Oh, he cared about the mess just under 2,000 years ago when, he, when his son paid for the mess. Every mess you've ever made or ever will make is already paid for. So know this, God is just not looking at you in anger. No, he, he's displeased because he can't help you. Because God is good all the time and God is full of mercy. That means he loves to show mercy. When you come to him and say, oh, Father, man, I messed up. And I just confess that before you. I apologize for that. He's like, no problem. I'm faithful. I'm just. I'll forgive you. So you've got to come to the word of God knowing that it's for you today. The Holy Spirit is here. He is the teacher. You haven't disqualified yourself. Isn't that good news? So good. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 5, these are the foundational scriptures that we're kind of launching off for. In the New Living Translation, it just says this. Paul, speaking to Timothy, he says, I remember your genuine faith. Your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. 
And I know the same faith continues strong in you. In the New Living Translation, Paul went on to talk to the church at Corinth, gave us another piece of this puzzle. Right? He said to Timothy, I know that this genuine faith, you're strong in it and it continues in you. Then he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 in verse 5, in the New Living Translation, it says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. I love the way it is in the New Living because it brings out the literal Greek so clearly that we are never to examine someone else. We are to examine ourselves to see if our faith is genuine. And, and that's, that's a regular daily thing, right? And then it goes on to say, it says, test yourselves. Finishes up by saying, surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you failed the test of genuine faith. And then we finished up last Sunday with 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John 5, 4, and if you could pull that up in the Amplified Classic translation, it says, for everyone that is born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. Notice it says is victorious. Everyone who is born of God is victorious. Wow. You would think it would say, well, everybody born of God will be victorious. Because in everything you face, you'll be victorious. But that's not what it says. It says you are victorious. Well, you got to wrap your mind around that. In other words, God is saying you have the victory before the battle's ever over. Right? Or in other words, the battle has been taken care of back on the cross. You start out in victory. We said that last week as we finished up. And because you're victorious, you overcome the world. Now the world, that's the word cosmos, so that's the word for world system. That is the system of this world that Satan is over. You are victorious over it. Economies could go up, economies could go down, but that is not to affect you. You are to have victory in that. Right? New diseases, viruses, things can break out in the earth. However, you are to have victory in that. Because you're born of God, you start out in victory. Man, if you've contracted this horrible virus, thank God that you came through, that he brought you through, and also thank God that it will never come to you again. Because it has no legal right. Amen? Any disease, any sickness, God is greater. Jesus bore it already. And I love the word overcomes because it's the Greek word nikeo. Why are we victorious? Because Jesus already gave us the victory. Why do we overcome? Nikeo is the Greek word. It's we overcome because we have been given delegated authority in the name of Jesus. We overcome, the Greek word literally means because of the delegated authority that we have been given. Right? And overcomes the world. And this now, now it's going to tell you how the whole thing works. This is the victory that, con that is conquered and overcome the world system. What is the victory? It's when your body changes. Nope. It's when the finances are actually in your hand. No. It says here, our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. And Jesus is the Word. So you could even translate this, our continuing, persistent faith in the Word of God. Same, we just said the same thing. 
right? It says in Revelation chapter 12, in verse 11, it uses the same Greek word, nikeo. It says, and they overcame him. They overcame the Antichrist, the beast, the man of perdition. They overcame him. How did they do it? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's exactly how we overcome pre-trib. Right? We're the church. We're not going into the tribulation period. But the saints, the people that accept Christ during that period of time, they will still overcome him the same way we did. By the blood of the Lamb. What do you mean by that? His blood has erased sin. It made me new. I have now been made the righteousness of God in him. So now I have that, but that's not enough. I have to confess. I have to confess what I believe. I've got to release my faith. That's how they overcame. That's how you and I will overcame, overcome. We said this, that the greatest power of a testimony is not when it's over, it's when you're at the beginning of it. Because you're testing, we get messed up. We'll come testify, and people will testify. Well, you know, I contracted this, and this happened to me, and they'll talk for 10 minutes about that, and then for 30 seconds at the end, they say, but God did this. And, and to that, I'm like, well, time out. I, I, I thought you were going to testify. Well, no, I just did. No, no, I didn't hear any it is written. Because to testify, you have to say, listen, this is what the Word of God says. And the enemy came and attacked me in this way, and this was the result. But you could have that testimony when you go in. You could leave the doctor's office with a testimony. He diagnoses you or she diagnoses you with something, and you walk out and go, Father, this is my testimony. Jesus redeemed me from the curse of this sickness or this disease. He himself bore it, so I don't have to. Father, I thank you, and I declare today that I am healed. And I thank you that your healing power, even right now, I receive that in my body, and it's driving out this sickness, this disease. You could have the testimony up front. See, the greatest power of a testimony is when you testify before seeing anything. That's genuine faith. My testimony declares what has already been done for me in the redemptive work of Jesus. Do you, do you see that? We've got to get that right. We've got, we've got millions of Christians begging God to do something for them when already they should be just receiving what he has done for them. We've got a lot of Christians going, man, I just can't wait to testify whenever I see the victory in my life, but that's not the victory. You already see the victory because it's your faith. The minute you see that he bore your sickness and carried your pain, when you see that on in the inside and you hear those words on the inside, that's your victory. See, it doesn't say our belief is the victory. It says our faith is the victory. In other words, victory is not when it is over. You have victory right now. Isn't that amazing? So right now, what you've just learned, you have no reason to be stressed about anything. If you could find it in the Word, what He says about it, Man, that means I don't have to be sick anymore. I don't have to be broke anymore, right? I don't have to be afraid anymore. I already have the victory. Everything unseen must, 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 must line up with the faith that you started with. Everything unseen will line up with that. Why? Because God watches over his word to perform it. The minute that you believe that you receive, listen, God's going to work right there. It has to line up. The whole unseen, all of heaven is lining up with what he said. Does that make sense? If you start with victory, stay with victory, then you'll absolutely have victory always. Right? 
So in other words, genuine faith, my faith is equal. Okay, get this. My faith is equal to the word of God that I believe. Right? It's not the word of God that I could quote. It's the word of God that I believe. That I believe in my heart because it's, there's revelation there of it. These promises from God's word, they are victory for me. Do you get that? It's the word. He sent his word and healed them. His word is the victory. Or faith in his word is the victory. So we talked a little bit about that. So many people trying to get what they already have been given. So don't get into that. You already have it. Don't let Satan talk you out of that. You're already a world overcomer because you're born of God. You already are positioned perfectly now that you know some things that the enemy has to bring back everything that he stole from you. See, this is my victory. With this promise in God's word, I overcome sickness. With this promise in God's word, I overcome poverty and lack. It must bow to this word of God that he spoke. Right? This is, this is how it works. With this word of God, I overcome any addiction in my life. With the word. Faith is the victory. It's so powerful. So let's talk a little bit more about genuine faith. Let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 22. We're going to talk about being a doer of the word because faith is a doer of the word of God. So it says here in James chapter 1 verse 22, it says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. This is, this is big right now. You got to be a doer of the word. And then it says, and not hearers. This Greek word, it's a, mac, it's a masculine noun. It means that one who is listening without practicing what he hears. In other words, I'm listening to the word, but I'm not going to do it. The Bible says if you sit and you hear the word of God, it's, it's the Greek word akrotes. It literally means you, you're hearing in a way where you're just listening, but you have no intent to do what you're hearing. The Bible says Satan doesn't even have to deceive you. He can go play golf, right? If he plays golf, right? Could you imagine the golf course that he would play on? Death, right? But he would think he's the greatest golfer in the world. Of course he would, because he's full of pride, right? But he could just go do whatever. He could go to somebody else because, you know, you've just deceived your own selves. Remember we said this, a big thing about genuine faith is you must come to the Word of God with one attitude, and that's a willingness to do it. I'm not going to decide if or what. I'm, I'm going to just do it, right? Some of the things, some some of the uh, things that I get from people outside of our church are interesting. They're dripping with, I don't want to do this. So this is why I just don't believe what you're preaching, Pastor. Right, and and you're just like you feel sorry for them because you're like you're coming to the Word of God. You you've obviously already made a decision. You're so deceived. Because Pastor Tony's not saying this, Jesus is saying this, right? And this is not subject to change. Well, I just don't believe it. Okay. But that doesn't change it, right? So the doer of the word confesses the word and lives the word. And I'm here to tell you guys, and you guys know this, I'm preaching to the choir, this is building your faith. You're made for this. You know that. 
And, and, and do you ever mess up? Yeah, who cares? You got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Your heart's right. Man, he'll get it over to you. If he could get it over to me, he could get it over to anybody. Seriously. He'll work with you and work with you and work with you until you get it. So, so if, you're, if you make a decision, man, I'm really going to be a doer. I'm really going to live the word of God. And then you mess up. Don't beat yourself up. Just change. Right? Oh, you know what? I did that. I, I, I know that's wrong. And then make a decision and just start again. That'll excite God. Speaking the word of God sometimes and speaking your circumstances other times never works. So genuine faith will never speak the word sometimes and speak the circumstances other times. If you're doing that, again, don't beat yourself up for that. Just get more. Just go back and meditate on Scripture more until you get the Word so in abundance in your heart that anytime you're pressed, the Word will just come out. You're made for this. You're made for it. Verse 23. For if any be a hearer, again, one who's listening, right, but never practices what they hear, if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, now the word of God is going to tell you what this man is like. And just in case you guys thinking that I'm beating up on the men today, no, it says man. So man, there's male and there's female that are man. So we're talking to the ladies too, right? It's like he's like a man beholding his natural face. In the King James it says glass, the Greek word would be mirror. So we all know that. We all beheld our faces this morning in a mirror. So when you're hearing the word of God without any intent to do it, you're like somebody that's looking into a mirror. It says here, he beholds himself. Oh, I guess that does separate us from the women. Darn. So all you women can take a break. This is just for us men. I know none of you have ever done that, right? Right? For he beholds himself, but look at what happens. He beholds himself. In other words, when you look into the Word of God, if you have no intent to do it, you will not see Jesus, you will see yourself. No revelation. The Bible says as we peer into Jesus, we are changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. But those are people that are looking at the Word with a willingness to do it. You don't have to know how. You just have to be willing. So you behold yourself. I did that for years. Man, I'm studying all these scriptures because I need stuff. And I'm looking at the Word of God at, at how I, I mean, growing up, I didn't really know anything in the denomination. I just, you know, I was in church every Sunday, but the bulk of my whole spiritual life was so that I would be a good athlete. So everything was all about me. Me, 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 me. Lord, bless me. Bless my shot. Bless me as I play. This and that. Only, there was only like a week when I'd go to Bible camp. And then I would just really be saturated that all of a sudden I'd rededicate my life every summer. My, my rededicator was wore out by the time I was probably 14 or 15 years old, right? But you behold yourself. There's no life in that. When you go with a willingness to do you will gain a revelation of Jesus. What is eternal life? John 17, 3. That you would know. That means to experience the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. See, because as you see Jesus, guess what? You're, you're transformed into his likeness. So in other words, as you see him in the word, you'll start walking like him. But if, you're, if you have no intent... To do it when you hear, 
you'll behold yourself. And then what will you do? Because you're beholding yourself, you'll go your way. In other words, you're going to be all about you and you're going to be living and and you're going to be literally not walking out the path that God has for you. You'll be going down your own path. Everything will be about what you want to do. And what does the Bible say? The law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? It's selfishness and self-centeredness. It's being all about yourself. Every problem in every one of our lives. My wife and I were just talking about that. I'm like, honey, every problem in my life has always been when I'm thinking about me. All the problems go away when I think about him. Isn't that amazing? If I'm thinking about him, guess what? I start thinking about others, and I have a great life. He beholds himself. Now, this is new revelation, I think. Just This is hitting some people. He's going his way, and straightway, or at once, he forgets what manner of man that he was. He forgets, in other words, what Jesus has made him in Christ. See, every time, if you govern your life by your senses, the only thing that can manifest is unbelief. It's the only thing that can manifest, and the only thing that it could do is produce fear and connect you to everything that the enemy does to steal, kill, and destroy. If you only listen to the word, you're just like a man looking in a natural mirror. But then it says this, verse 25, let's jump here. It's like, enough of that, pastor. Yeah, we understand. Let's go to the good stuff. But whoso looks, now this word look is real interesting. Remember in, remember in Paul's letter to Timothy, he said the genuine faith we know, I know that faith is strong in you and that you continue in it. Again, look at this. It says, but whoso looks, in the Greek language, this word would be accurately translated, whoever looks and keeps on looking into the perfect law of liberty. That's the word of God. It's literally freedom. You look and keep on looking. Why would you do that? Because you're looking with a willingness to do it. You're actually seeing that, wow, this changes me. Again, we're not trying to live for God. We're wanting God to live through us. Our job is a rest. It's a flow. It's a great ride. It's a great ride. But whoso looks and keeps on looking into the word of God and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, a forgetful hearer. This was translated, it's the same Greek word, akrotes. One who's listening with no intent to do it. They forget everything they hear. Have you ever been that way? Man, you could quote the scripture. Right? Father, I thank you that we're to love our brothers and sisters the same way that you love me. Man, you tick me off. Right? How did that happen? You immediately forget. What am I telling you about genuine faith? If you will go to the word of God with a willingness to do it, just say, Lord, I have no idea. I've lived this way for so long, but I am changing today and I'm going to trust you to help me. I I am all in with you. I'm just going to hear your word. And if you say I'm healed, then I'm going to say I'm healed. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what it looks like. If you say I'm blessed financially, I'm going to say I'm blessed financially. If you say to love and prefer other people before me, I'm going to do it. If you say forgive, I'm just going to forgive. I'm just, I'm telling you, you will get there. All of a sudden, man, you'll be laying hold of things that God's provided for you. And you'll be like, wow, this is This is amazing. And you won't be all proud of yourself because it's like, it's it's just like someone else is living through you. And all of a sudden, there's areas of your life 
that you're not even working on that just get fixed. That when, see, I love the song we sing, that he's working even when we're not working. Thank God. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed, or it, literally it would read, this man will be blessed in his doing. Isn't that awesome? So thoughts precede actions, right? Therefore, stay near to the Word of God by keeping the Word of God in your thought life. Because thoughts always precede actions. If today you're looking at some of your actions and your actions are not in line, See, that what that will do is it causes inner turmoil in you. Because you're, you're just not, you're trying to be like a fish living out of water. You're trying to live in a way that God never designed you to live. So many Christians are so self-centered only because they've never, they've never learned how to step into allowing God to live through them. And, and, and they're frustrated and, and, you know, because they're not laying hold of things. There's something in their heart that they know that they're supposed to do, but they never, they never walk in it because you can't fake this stuff. You could cover it up for a while. If you make decent money, you know, you could come to church dressed nice, driving a nice car. And, and carnal people will think you're spiritual, right? Oh, wow, look at that person drives a Mercedes. They must really be spiritually mature right? But that's a bunch of nonsense. We got to get away from playing church. I know pastors that have to submit to a board or an eldership or a council. I know one pastor that literally has a 21-member council, and they're made up of all the people with money in their church, and some of these people are not even saved, but yet he is getting, he's being directed on what to do by them. Wow. No, 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 no. Every one of us have to be directed on what we do from, from him. Right? It ensures our victory. In other words, you see right, you'll believe right, and then you'll speak and act right. It's just the way it works. In other words, the difference between the hearer of the word and the doer of the word, this is the difference. It's what they see. It's just what they see. Are they seeing themselves? Or are they seeing God? Are they seeing Jesus? Are they getting a revelation of Jesus? Because genuine faith, the walk of faith is this. The word is first place in my life. I meditate in the word, and I come to it with a willingness to do it. God reveals himself to me, and then I step and progress. And then I'm doing that, and then God reveals something else about himself, and then I progress. If I don't have a revelation of who he is, there is no walk of faith. There is no life of faith. I'm just walking on my own. And this is what happens sometimes. You get out of faith, and you still think you're mental assenting to revelation. And you're still walking, and you're thinking you're blessed, and then all of a sudden, everything blows up in your life. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute, how did that happen? And the enemy's right there to go, yeah, I guess the word doesn't work, huh? Is this stuff really real? Right? No, it's really real. So John chapter 8 in verse 31 and 32, really give us a great picture of the same thing we've been saying, of genuine faith. This is, again, how genuine faith works. John 8, 31, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, he said, If you continue in my word, that means if you remain, if you abide, if you endure in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you will know, this is genosco, you will know the truth. 
That means you will perceive the truth and you'll understand the truth. If you continue in my word. See, one of the, one of the concerns that I have as a pastor in this age is I read that scripture where Jesus, he said multitudes will say to him in that day, didn't we do this and didn't we do that and didn't we do this? And Jesus looks at them and says, depart from me, I never knew you. It's the same Greek word, genosko. I never knew you. What, what does that person look like? Well, I come to church. Well, in this environment, many don't come to church. But some come to church with no willingness to do. And do they really know him? Now, see, here's the thing. We can never judge a person's heart. We can only judge the fruit. So we just pray for people. Hopefully they're saved. Hopefully they're just saved and carnal. Right? Gosh, I'd hate for somebody to sit in one of these chairs for years under the teaching with me as their pastor, and all of a sudden they think they're okay and they're not. No, the Holy Spirit bears witness with your heart that you're a child of God. But this is the same Greek word. And you shall know the truth. And the truth, in other words, you'll know the word and the word will make you free. The word does all the work. You don't have to. Isn't that good news? It's the word that does the work. If the Son of Man therefore shall make you free, this is verse 36, you shall be free indeed. So the Word of God goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 10, because of all that we've said, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, it says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. And i got to tell you, because he's faithful who promised, I love the second word in this verse, us. Boy, I'm telling you, it is so much easier to hold fast to the profession of your faith without wavering when you have, are surrounded by people that are telling you how healed you are and how the word works. And, you know, it's not let me, right? Because Satan will try to get you alone God will put you in the middle of a bunch of people that are of like faith that will help you, right? You need a word to hold on to. So many people are trying to hold on to a supplement or what a doctor has said. Or, and, and the bad thing about that is they're ju it's just human. Because that same doctor who thinks he's got it figured out or thinks she's got it figured out for you all of a sudden, some things are changing in your body, and all of a sudden, he's sitting there and he's going, well, there's nothing I could do for you anymore. But I'm telling you, the great physician, he never, you'll never hear that from him. Right? You need a word to hold on to. The pressure you face while believing God for anything, now get this, the pressure that you face when you're believing God for anything. This, you want to know what the pressure is? The pressure is this. The pressure is, well, I better not use that. Let me use, the, I can't get away from these water bottles. The pressure is this. The pressure comes when you let go of the word. That's the pressure. You think it's the circumstance. Nope. It's the fact that you let go of the word. You got to see that. The pressure is when you let go of the word. You want to get the pressure out of your life? Don't ever let go of the word. Right? Man, this, this is a hungry section right here. I, I just like this. Yeah, I'm not here because of the heater, because I'm getting really warm here. But uh, no. That's the pressure. Don't let the enemy lie to you. The pressure, it is, and I'm not saying it's not faith over here, okay. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, there we go. But the pressure is when you let go, so don't let go. Satan is pressing you to turn loose of the Word of God. He'll use people, he'll use circumstances, right? He'll use symptoms in your body. 
He'll use everything he can. As a matter of fact, the whole world system is designed to create fear and bring a person into a place of unbelief where they let go of the word. Or, if they don't know God, to never even embrace the word. Right? The pressure is not the pain in your body. Right? That's not the pressure. The pressure is if you let go of, Father, I thank you that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. Don't ever let go of that. Right? The pressure is Satan using circumstances and situations to let you, or to get you to let go of your faith, to separate you from your faith. So, Matthew chapter 7. You guys doing okay? I hope you're enjoying this. I am. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says this. It says, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it didn't fall, for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 26, And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built a house upon the sand. I mean, could you imagine you drive through a neighborhood, a new construction neighborhood, and all of a sudden you see this big pile of sand, and they're, they're framing on top of that. You'd be like, what a fool, right? That is exactly the same way somebody who hears and doesn't do the word. Which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew. In other words, the same storms came against every house, beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Wow. So genuine faith. It builds. What is the rock? Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. What is that rock? It's the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of his word. We must have that. In Hebrews chapter 11, let me, let me talk about Abraham and Sarah for a second. Look at what they did. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, talks about Sarah. So who's Sarah? Sarah's this, this beautiful lady that growing up married as a young woman and could never have children because of something in her body. Now she's an older lady, but God has promised her, and now she's 90 years old. 90. I have no idea why you'd want to have a child at 90, <laughs> but we'll just have to ask Sarah when we get there, right? Wow. Through faith also, Sarah herself. Look at this. Look the way it's written. Through faith. Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. That's a creative miracle. And was delivered of a child when she was past age. Why? Because she judged who? Him faithful who had promised her. She judged him faithful. God, if you said it, I know you do what you say. In the New Living Translation, it says, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. Guys, God will keep his promise. He will. Everything is there for you today. I believe 2022 is going to be a great year for us. Sarah's faith was exhibited by her judging God faithful who promised. Well, let's look at Abraham. Romans chapter 4 in verse 17. Romans 4, 17 says this, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. 
Now that, that's quoting Genesis 17, 5. God told Abraham, I've made you a father of many nations. That's before he had any kids. Right? Before him, whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead, he makes alive the dead, and calls those things which be not as though they were. That is the language of faith. It's calling those things that be not as though they were. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith, if he wasn't weak in faith, he was strong in faith, right? Remember, we said this about it, it's not about the amount of faith, it's about being strong in faith. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now this is an interesting scripture. The King James translated, he considered not his own body now dead. In the New American Standard Version, which uses the same Greek words, it said this, it says this, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated, which means he considered, his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So which one is it? Well, it's both. Okay? He didn't closely consider his body that's why the King James translators translated it that way. He didn't completely just compare and consider. His focus was not his body. But New American Standard brings out the fact, but he didn't ignore his body. He knew his body was dead. But he did, it didn't take him. See, it's not weakness in faith to consider your circumstances. Don't walk around going, oh gosh, I can't ever look at that. Because guess what? You can, if you have pain in your body, guess what? You are going to know it. Right? If you don't have enough finances to meet your bills and things, guess what? You're going to know it. So I love this because there's not this place of euphoria where everything goes away. No, no. All hell's still breaking loose on the outside, but that has nothing to do with what God said. You already know the end result. You already have the end result. It's not weakness in faith to consider the weakness of your flesh. That's how we rightly divide this scripture. Right? Look at this. Abraham was not denying that his body was now dead. He wasn't denying that. Faith never denies the circumstance. Faith denies the right of the circumstance to remain. Abraham was 100 years old. There were parts of his body that are pretty necessary to impregnate his wife that were not working, if you get my drift, right? If not, talk to Pastor Dave after the service. He could... <laughs> He could explain that to you. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Aren't you thankful you're not in ministry with me right now as my associate pastor, right? That's funny. You could talk to everybody. I mean, you could talk to Pastor Mark. I mean, whatever, right? Pastor <laughs> So without, so this is Abraham. He knew his body was dead, but literally he considered, without being weak in faith, he considered his body now dead. So I'm not denying I have sickness in my body. I'm denying it's right. And it must leave. I already have the victory. Why? Because I have the word. The word is my victory. Right? Abraham, in other words, did not allow his body to tell him 
whether or not God's word was true. He would not allow an outside circumstance to tell him whether or not the word of God is true. Why? Because he knows. He has genuine faith. He knows. He knows the one who is faithful. He knows. Do you see that? Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. The word stagger, it literally means to oppose. It means to differ or contend with, right? It literally means to waver. It means to be of two minds. What does that mean? Well, if I feel good, man, this thing's really working. If I'm not feeling good, oh shoot, it's not working. Right? Maybe it's working, maybe it's not. You're differing, you're contending with, you're, you're of two minds, you're trying to stand in two places. How do you get away from that? Faith comes by hearing the word. Right? He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. In other words, he grew strong in faith. Notice, it didn't say his faith grew. It says he grew strong in faith. Right? Forget this whole measure thing. It's the strength. Right? He grew strong in faith looking at the promise. Looking at the promise of God kept him from being swayed by his body. Looking at the promise of God will keep you from being swayed by any circumstance. Boy, if I see how simple that is, if you just look and keep on looking at the promise of God, you can lay hold of impossible things that God has given you. So this is why all things are possible to him who believes because the word is literally full of power. And it will strengthen you and it will cause you to stand and never be swayed because you're looking at the promise. I mean, looking at Jesus can cause you to walk like him. If you talk about dispelling fear, how do you get out of fear? You look at him. Because when you look at him, you'll just be like, you, you, you're so in love with him that you'll be like, fear, get out of my life. You're not even looking at fear when you're talking to it. Didn't Jesus do that? Man, he's casting out demons, the Syrophoenician woman's daughter. He cast out the demon out of that girl. He wasn't even where she was, where the daughter was. The mother had come to him. Nobleman's son, hey, you're fun, your son's fine. Go home. The nobleman found out as he went that when Jesus was talking to him, the sickness and disease that was killing that nobleman's son left without Jesus saying, in Jesus' name, you leave. Isn't that amazing? It's so strong. The word is so strong where it was written in the Old Testament that when Messiah comes, he'll have healing in his wings. When this woman with the issue of blood who was plagued for 12 years went to every doctor she could go to, was not only not better, but she grew worse. She had lost everything. And she said to herself, listen, I've heard of Jesus, right? If I could just touch that, that thing that's coming off his prayer shawl. Because the Bible says that he'll have healings in his wings. And when a rabbi walked and he took that prayer shawl off, it looked like wings from the back. She said, man, if I could just touch that, I'll be made whole. And then Jesus, he turned around and he said, when he finally found out who she was, he said, woman, your faith made you whole. That's exactly what we're talking about. The fact that she believed the word of God was her victory. That's why God said, your faith made you whole. He didn't showcase himself. He said, no, no, it was your faith. Why? Because 1 John chapter 5, faith is the victory. When you believe the word of God in your heart, you already have the victory. 
Oh, we're seeing some things. In other words, are you going to respect the facts in your body, the facts in your life and in your circumstances, in your finances, whatever? Or are you going to respect the truth of God's Word? Verse 21, it says, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So this fight of faith is to become fully persuaded that what God has promised is true. And this is a process. Why? Because it's a relationship. The process is this, renewing your mind with the Word of God. That's the process. Satan is going to try to keep you from being fully persuaded, but he can't if you don't want it. Isn't that good news? Always, as you're believing God, always, always put the pressure on the Word. Don't ever have pressure on yourself. Amen?